Hello authors, I'm Joanne Morell, children's and young adult fiction writer and author of Short Nonfiction for Authors. Thanks for joining me for the Hybrid Author Podcast, sharing interviews from industry professionals to help you forge a career as a hybrid author, both independently and traditionally publishing your books. You can get the show notes for each episode and sign up for your free author pass over at the Hybrid Author website to discover your writing process, get tips on how to publish productively, and get comfortable promoting your books at www.hybridauthor.com.au. Let's crack on with the episode. I hope you're all keeping well in whatever part of the world you reside and listen to the podcast in. Today's interview is with YA and Christmas rom-com fiction author Katie Montanaro. And besides all things Christmas, she's going to be chatting to us about her books and hybrid author experience, social media and marketing strategies for independent authors, supporting local and loving your bookshop, as well as her tips for writing Christmas-themed rom-com and so much more. So in my author adventure this week, it's been a very published slash publisher focused week. I've been busy finalizing my nonfiction formats for freelance writing, quick tips for fast success and author fears and how to overcome them. So I will be able to share those with you all shortly. But the good news is they will be out by the end of this year. <laughs> and if you followed my author adventure since the beginning of 2022 or before, these books have been a long time in the making. The formatting of them anyway so I will achieve that goal which I'm very excited about. Not as fast as I wanted but it is gonna happen. I'm also super excited about another series of books I've started building ideas around but I'm not going to be talking about this here. This project will be shared with my newsletter audience only so if you aren't already on it please jump on over to the Hybrid Author website which is hybridauthor.com.au and you can sign up for your free author pass and get all the inside gossip on what my plans are for this new project in the new year. I just think I already talk on here about you know my non-fiction, my children's fiction and other projects that I seem to accumulate throughout the year so this one is it's something it's an experiment I suppose but it's also yeah different to what I've, I'm doing and I just want to see how it goes so very exciting. So if you love the podcast or any of the episodes has helped you further in your author career, you can now pay it forward by buying me a coffee over at www.buymeacoffee.com slash the hybrid author. Or you can leave me a review on whatever platform you listen to the podcast on to help other writers like you discover the podcast. Let's all support each other. Katie Montinaro is a Melbourne-based writer and teacher. After many years of teaching her students how to write and craft narratives, Katie finally took the plunge and followed her lifelong dream of writing and publishing her books. When she's not writing, she can be found reading, enjoying the cinemas, or designing something for her husband to build around the house. 
Katie loves nothing more than hanging out with her kids and dog Arthur. Unless Jason Momoa were to call, she'd definitely prefer to go on a date with Aquaman. And we all join you there, Katie. Welcome to the Hybrid <laughs> Author Podcast. Uh, thank you for having me. <laughs> so tell us a bit more about who Katie Montanaro is. And obviously you had this lifelong dream about how did you become an author? Who Who is Katie Montanaro? That is a really good question. <laughs> how many personas does she have? <laughs> exactly. I think it's something, you know, it's something I'm still trying to figure out for myself. I'd say I'm a work in progress. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's who I am. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, you know, in the introduction there, we mentioned that I'm a teacher and I've only just recently left teaching uh, as like a month ago. Been teaching for 15 years. So a lot of my identity and who I am is kind of wrapped up in that. So I was, I'm in the process now of unraveling that and figuring out who I am without that, that teacher label. So definitely a, uh, a work in progress, I'd say. <laughs> Yeah, so separating teacher Katie to now author Katie. What years did you teach at school? Yeah, I taught high school. So all the years, (laughs) seven to 12. And yeah, and I really loved it and I still love it. But yeah, I'm doing something different now, which I love in equal measures as well. So yeah, just figuring out who I am. So yeah, work in progress. (laughs) Fantastic. So obviously, with all your years of teaching and things, was writing a book always in the back of your mind? Like you had ideas and then you just, were you writing while you were still teaching? Oh, yeah. I was an English teacher. So (laughs) yes, creative. writing and writing and books definitely always in my mind I'm an only child so I grew up with having to use my imagination a lot and it's just one of the things that I've always done I've always told myself stories I've always written stories you know I've got laptops full of half-finished stories and finished stories and and planners and notebooks full of ideas and you know part of my my bedtime routine if you like I still can't go to sleep without telling myself my own little story in my head. Even though I read before I go to bed, it's just one of those things. I'm just always telling stories. So it was a few years ago where I um, had decided that I'd always been saying, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write a book. And then I sort of said to myself, well, when am I going to do that? When am I going to stop talking about it and just do it? And so I think it was about 2017, I decided, you know what, I'm going to take this seriously. I'm going to do it. And I carved out time between being a teacher, a VCE teacher, a mum and everything else that falls under that kind of umbrella of things that we do every day. And I just made time to, to write whenever I could, you know, whether it was at school pickup, I would sit in the car, get there early, you know, half an hour early and do some writing or, you know, before kids get up in the morning. I don't do that too often because I'm not a morning person. But, you know, in the morning, if you wake up and your mind's buzzing, uh, so just finding the time to do it. And um, I said I would take it really seriously and see where it would take me. And we're here with book number two now. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's amazing. It sounds like, you know, you started with just love of passion, love and passion for writing and, you know, storytelling which you obviously kept to yourself and then thought you know hey want to do this want to write a book gonna gonna do it and you obviously put all your energies and focus into it which is great and lucky for us so you (laughs) have published uh two books and uh the girl in the sunflower dress and a holly jolly christmas which is is described as a christmas rom-com and the one that we are going to focus on today so can you tell us tell us about a holly jolly christmas we're very excited obviously coming up to christmas all the the movies are starting to appear 
here on Netflix. So yeah, let's talk about the books. <laughs> oh, yes. I love all those sorts of movies. Like the cheesier, the better at holiday time, I feel. It's so much fun. I think, you know, Holly Jelly Christmas really came out of last year, me really wanting to find a book that resonated with me about my own Christmas experience. But all I could find were these white Christmas romance stories, which are beautiful and I love reading them. And I read about, oh gosh, a handful of them last year, but I just wanted something that really reflected that Australian summer Christmas because it's it's so different obviously to, to the white Christmas that we're all sort of conditioned to to loving at that time of year if you like you know between the the snow-covered ornaments in your shops and the the Christmas movies and all that sort of thing but I wanted something that was more my Christmas so I sort of thought about it and I sat down and over you know December of last year and January of this year I wrote down a holly jolly Christmas and it was just one of those things where I thought okay what's some fun things that could happen what are some fun things that could go wrong on a Christmas day what are things that are uniquely Australian and kind of put it all put it all into a little book something that I would like to read and so that's sort of how I guess the book was was born if you like and it was a lot of fun to write and it's really exciting now to see people reading it and having a lot of people go wow yeah this is like my Christmas experience it's so nice to read you know a, a Christmas story that's set in the hot summer and things like that so it's been really nice to kind of get that feedback now you know it's only been out for a very short period of time like a week two weeks so yeah it's wow nice. yeah yeah oh that's amazing and, and and I guess you're right you know you don't really think about like I, I was born here but grew up in Scotland so yes I'm accustomed to the cold and, and those kind of Christmases and I really struggled when I came here because it doesn't feel like Christmas to me but because I've had that but now I've been here for so long it's it is turning into that but yeah you don't really see much <laughs> outside of that do you so no I absolutely love that that you've taken you know your real life personal setting and what you wanted to see and then turned it in a book for everybody else to connect with and enjoy you know in Australia and other countries where it's summer for Christmas <laughs> Yeah, exactly. There's a whole bunch of countries that don't get a white Christmas. So it's kind of nice to have something a little bit different. And I think too, you know, I selfishly like to write for myself first and foremost. So I was like, you know what, this is what I want to read. There's nothing out there that's kind of sort of what I want. So I'll just write it myself and entertain myself. And and then hopefully, you know, it's good enough to put out there for, to entertain other people. Yeah. I think that's a good tip though, because that, uh, you know, you think of your target audience and, and, and in a way you maybe can and, and a little bit, but if you don't enjoy what you're writing as well, you know, and you're trying too hard to please some you know, some somebody out in the abyss you've never met. I, I don't know what can come of that really. So no, yeah. I think I think that's a really good tip for people. Yeah. Oh look, we're the ones, you know, authors are the ones that you're with this book and this story 24-7. Well at least I am. I know when I've got a story on the go, I'm constantly thinking about it. If I'm not writing it, I'm thinking about it. I'm dreaming about it. So if I've delivered this story and I have to read over draft after draft after draft, then yeah, I, I'm gonna write something that I like. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that there's readers out there that are just like me and will like the same books that I like so the readers will be out there but I think with spending so much time and energy into creating and crafting something you really have to love it so you have to kind of write something that that you want. Yeah that's it so you are an aspiring hybrid author but you have independently published your two books how 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 did that come about how did how did you end up going down that path first off so well back to when I sort of decided I remember having this conversation with a a colleague at work and I'd always been talking about how I was going to write a book and write a book and he just sort of said like just do it 
just like, there's no perfect time. Just go and do it. And I was like, yeah, like what's sort of stopping me? <laughs> do it. Um, and so just, you know, cause it's that easy. Of course, of course. Um, and so I, I really sort of sat down and I did a lot of research and I really planted myself in both the indie community and the traditional publishing community. You know, I tried to make genuine connections with people and learn as much as I could before I decided which path I was going to take. And it was during lockdown. So in Melbourne here, we had like the longest lockdowns over COVID in the world. And one of the silver linings, I guess, of that was a lot of things went online. And so I actually put myself into the CYA conference, which is in normally held in Brisbane, but it was online due to lockdowns and things like that. And that put me in front of two literary agents and two publishing houses in Australia. Uh, you, you kind of book in and you send them the first 10 pages of your manuscript and get feedback from that. And so, of course, in my mind, I'm like, oh, this is it. This is my opportunity. This is, you know, things are going to go great from here. <laughs> and, and they did. They did. I got a lot out of it. And so um, I did that and I got my feedback from those 10 pages and I got really great, really encouraging feedback. And one of the agents wanted to me to revise the first 10 pages and send it to them. And so did one of a really big sort of publishing house in Australia here. So I did that and I thought, oh, here we go. And then I heard back from the literary agent and, and the publisher and they had both said they wanted the first 100 pages of The Girl in the Sunflower Dress. And I thought, oh, my God, you know, this is it. And so I did that. And I didn't hear anything from the publishing house for a very long time. The literary agent got back to me and, you know, within a couple of weeks, she was like, yep, great. Send me the full manuscript. And I thought, oh, hang on. So I did. I sent her the full manuscript. And then she had sort of said, you know, it's really great, great voice, unique story, not quite what I'm looking for at this time, which was totally fine. And it gave me lots of really great support and encouragement and so I thought oh that was really good the publishing house didn't get back to me and I sort of thought there's there's this kind of rule I don't know where I read it but I read it somewhere that if you don't hear back within three months then it's kind of you know don't expect anything. And so I hadn't heard anything back and I thought, all right, don't worry about it. It's really good. I got some great feedback. I know that there are some people in the industry that think my story is good. They like my writing. What else can I do? Where can I go? I did a self-publishing course with Ellie Marnie, Australian author. She's a hybrid author as well. And that was fabulous to do that course. I got so much out of that course and I left it feeling really empowered. And I thought, maybe this is the path that I need to take. And sort of at the same time, we got some health news about my mum and it wasn't looking good at that stage. And mum was the one that introduced me to books and stories. And and I thought to myself, you know what? I can actually do this. I, I can publish this myself and mum can see it. She can hold a book. Her daughter had written a book and, and that was kind of like my motivating factor. So I went through the whole process and I looked and found an editor. I mean, Ellie's course gave you all the resources that you needed to really make a good go of it. So I found an editor. I found a cover artist just online. I just, that was the hardest one. Um, I just sort of messaged her on Instagram, like, hey, would you be interested in doing this? And so we we kind of did that. And then about like a month or two months before I was ready to publish The Girl in the Sunflower Dress, the publishing house got back to me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. like, too late. <laughs> I know. And then they said, then she's like, you know, great. Thanks for the hundred pages. I'd love to read the full manuscript. And I was like, oh, I'd poured all this money into publishing it myself. I'd set everything up, put all this work 
work into it. I had to really think about what I was going to do because being a traditionally published author was always a dream and still is a dream of mine. But I was still really motivated by the fact that I wanted mum to have this copy of this book. And so I really thought about it. I spoke to my husband, spoke to my mum, you know, what should I do? What should I do? And in the end, I decided to publish it by myself. And so I wrote back to the publishing house and and I'm like, oh, thanks so much. That was really great. But I've sort of already gone through the motions of self-publishing, da, 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 da. And she was really great about it. She was supportive. She said, oh, no worries. Good luck with it. I hope to hear a lot about you in the future. And, you know, that's a decision that I'll always sort of sit with. Was it the right one? Who knows? You know, I mean, just because she wanted the whole manuscript doesn't mean that it was ever going to, you know, end up being a traditionally published book. But it was just really nice to know that this big publishing house was interested enough to read the full manuscript. And so I um, went through the motions of of self-publishing and we got the book. And I really enjoyed the aspect of having lots of control. (laughs) (laughs) And I really enjoyed working to my own timeline as well and going through that and realizing that I hadn't heard anything for like six months. And then all of a sudden they pop up going, yeah, we want it. I was like, oh, this publishing moves really slow, but I wanted to move really, really fast, especially because of my, my personal circumstances at the time. And so I did it and I'm like, you know what? I can always go back. The, the door is not closed on traditional publishing. I don't have to be one or the other. I can be both. And so there's a lot of kind of satisfaction and and happiness in that decision. So I thought, you know what, I'm just going to try some indie publishing for a little while, figure out where I sit, the sorts of stories I want to write, because I I like to write lots of different things as well. I just, yeah, went with indie publishing and now indie published A Holy Jolly Christmas. And this is where we are today. Yeah, yeah. That's an amazing story. I just absolutely <laughs> love, like everyone has a different story, but yours is extremely special. And exactly that, you know, you know, you have a connection there with the publisher now, and there's nothing to say that you can't approach her or him with different uh, work in the future. Like you can just say, hey, you know, you, you touch base with me, this and that, I've got something else. And would you like to see it? Like, you know, if they, they were interested before, but yeah, I haven't actually done the CYA conference. That's one I haven't done, but I see it all the time. Um, and uh, I take it so you get these connections, but you don't, they have to, they have to contact you if they want to see you more. You don't actually get the the emails to contact them, I suppose, to chase them up. The way that it worked for me was that you had your, you, you obviously book in to see these people. So if you just attend the conference, you're just attending the workshops, but you had the choice of putting yourself in front of a, a range of different people. So I researched who they all were and figured out which would be best fit for my book at the time. Yeah, you send off your 10 pages and then you get feedback and then you get a really short meeting. I want to say it's about 15 minutes-ish with them and they go through the feedback and you talk about it and they ask you a little bit about yourself and that kind of thing. And then they may say to you, thanks, that was really great, good luck. Or they'll say, you know, send me revised pages and you have their email address because they've sent you their feedback on your first 10 pages. Um, So with that invitation, then you can obviously contact them with further stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, I still am in contact with that, that publisher. We follow each other online and yeah, who knows, who knows what the future is going to hold. Yeah, that's it. And and that's what I absolutely love about hybrid uh, publishing authorship as well is just because I'm the same as yourself, you know, find traditional publishing is very slow and takes a long time so in the meantime if you are an impatient person like myself and also like (laughs) yourself yeah yourself who you know you want to write a a variety of different things and I tend to have ideas that I'm like oh I I wouldn't even bother traditional publishing with because it just I think it wouldn't be something that fits their market 
market or something, you know that right off the bat. Whereas there's some I'm like, yeah, that would probably work for them better. And you can go down that route because I've heard, especially with traditional publishing, they maybe want to sort of pigeonhole you into one area. Mm -hmm. So maybe you could be traditional represented for one idea and go with with them for that and then go to town on independent publishing with all your other ideas. So now it's it's the best of both worlds. We're so lucky to be able to have the opportunity and the, the avenues to be able to do that. I think indie publishing has come a long way over the years. And, you know, I think back to people like Matthew Riley, who's one of Australia's biggest selling authors, he started out publishing his own books back in, oh God, do I want to say the 90s or 2000s? <laughs> when it was really tricky and really expensive. Mm. And now, you know, now look at him. He sells millions of copies of his books, has written and directed a movie and and all that sort of thing so we're just we're just lucky that in this in this industry that we have those two options and neither one is better than the other as long as you're getting your art and your craft out there for people to read then that's great that's it it's just uh it's a matter of just suiting the individual and and go go for gold I suppose so yeah yeah, I've got to say I did you use a different artist for holly jolly christmas cover because I absolutely or is it the same for both no different artist and no no reason why you know there was nothing wrong em who did my um cover for the girl in the sunflower dress did a brilliant job and I absolutely love that cover I was just after a different style of art this time around and again same way I just kind of trawled through Instagram and started looking at other indie authors and where they were getting their covers because you know you always tag people when when they help you out and so I found a few people and I really loved Melody's work so Melody Jeffries did my um cover for a holy jolly Christmas I love what she was doing and so I just messaged her and I said hey <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> you know do you make book covers and how much do you cost and da, da, da. and she got back with me and she was really excited to work on something so different because again she lives in America and so she was doing a lot of white Christmas covers so she's really excited to try something different and I must admit I had no idea what I wanted going in when I did the cover for um, Girl in the Sunflower Dress I kind of had a really strong idea of what that cover was going to look like but this one I had no idea because I hadn't really seen any books that were summer and Christmas so I had no kind of reference point Mel did a great job of kind of turning my rambled thoughts into (laughs) such a beautiful cover yeah, the cover's a knockout. Like I've I've seen it everywhere all over social media and it's just it's very different. Like I love the no faces. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. I like that too. I must admit, I used to find that kind of art a little bit um, creepy, but I've really grown to love it. And so yeah. now we did it. We sort of played around with faces. Should they have eyebrows? Should they? What should we do? But the way it kind of has ended up is just yeah, perfect. And I, I love it. She's done an amazing job. She has. That's it. So obviously, you know, independently publishing. So it's all working for yourself. What about the marketing? How have you found that? Is that kind of new to? Because because obviously with the writing and stuff, you are a teacher. You know, you you knew the craft it was more learning the publishing process which you did so did you go out to learn the marketing process or you just kind of co- not copied watch what others were doing and say, set sail <laughs> yeah. yeah it was I did I do follow there's a few indie authors that I really kind of admire and look up to and sort of just watching what they do but also too I'm not great at kind of talking myself up either I'm not very good at that stuff so I am. Um, 
have gone and learned. I have taken a course with um, another indie author. Her name's Sarah Cannon, and she does a course called Publish and Thrive. And oh my goodness, that is worth every single penny that you can put into that. And she goes through the entire, the whole gamut of things from your idea to the finished book and the course itself. Once you've sort of signed up for it, you kind of have lifetime access and there's heaps of modules and it's fantastic. And so I have looked at her, you know, marketing things and how to market your books and all that sort of stuff. But I also find that being, you know, trying to hold down a full-time job, raising a family, and this is my, you know, my my side hustle, if you like, that I would love one day to be my full-time job, but at the moment it's not. So I just kind of have to do what I can when I can. And so I just take especially Sarah's advice on board and what some other authors are doing. And I just kind of make it work for me. Like I don't have all the time in the world to sit down and create beautiful graphics and reels and all this sort of stuff. And if you look at my social media pages, I'm it's a very real social media page. I don't dress up. I don't wear makeup. I don't. It's all just, oh, quick, I've got five minutes. I'll make something, put it together, check it up, hope for the best. Um, <laughs> which I'm not sure if that's really good advice or um, a good game plan. <laughs> yeah, I think it is, though, because people, it, you can get so easily stressed out, I think, with everything that you have on your plate and you feel like you have to do it all. But you should just do what works best for you rather than spreading yourself thin and then maybe nothing working at all and burning, well, burning out. Although I had a guest on once and he told me burnout's bullshit. <laughs> I don't say bullshit, but... <laughs> Burnout's bullshit, so sorry, I kept that in my mind. Yeah, no, I think that's great. You do what works for you and you'll enjoy it more then rather than resent it or yeah I think so too I think you've got to have a bit of fun with it as well and I don't like social media it, it can be really fun it can be really draining and I think if you well for me and the way that I work and my brain works if I have all these things set up and I've got to meet this certain timeline and I've got to try this graphic and I've got to do this reel and do this you know audio and I just it's too overwhelming and I, I just can't do it and all I want to do is sit down and write that's all I want to do I don't want to be wasting my time on social media it's not a waste of time because it does get people to see your books and and get to know you but I prefer to just be writing them so I think my marketing strategy is not really a strategy at all it's just I'm just gonna do what I can when I can and hope that you know my book finds its way and I mean there are things you know you make connections with people um, and you ask bookstagrammers and things like that to read or read your book as arc readers or share your cover reveals and, and little things like that that I suppose you could call a bit of a strategy but for the most part I'm making it up as I go along and what I feel like kind of doing on the day. <laughs> no, that's awesome. No, I love that. Absolutely. Uh, so from your social media, I, I have seen that you're quite involved with, is it Farrell's Bookshop? Is that your yeah. local bookstore? That looks yeah. just darling. Yeah. <laughs> it looks lovely. <laughs> I've only got a big chain QBD. <laughs> oh. Oh yeah, look, I love, love my local bookshop, Farrell's. Farrell's is like a, an institution down here on the peninsula. They've been around forever. Personally for myself, I'm a big supporter of supporting local. So I love to support my local businesses and I've always been a customer there. We've always, it's just a community feel when you walk in, everybody is so friendly and will chat with you about books. And it's just, it's a nice feel when you walk in, it's like you take a deep breath and you go, ah, oh, I'm amongst my people. Yeah. And it's just really nice. And so with 
lockdown again. <laughs> I started an ill-fated ill blog, decided, you know, oh, we're in lockdown. What else can I do? I'll start a blog, like as if I don't have enough on my hands with trying to remote teach my own students and remote teach my own kids and and write books and why not start a blog you know <laughs> so I did and I interviewed a few authors and I interviewed Kate Horton at Farrell's and talking about the bookshop and I think that just kind of took our relationship to the next yeah. level if you like and it was really great and throughout lockdown you know I just was supporting them where I could sharing their posts you know buying books from them as I always would because you know we want to keep our our bookshops in our communities and lockdown was so hard on so many businesses and I just didn't want to see them go down so I just did what I could to support them not that my efforts saved anything or anything like that but I just wanted to do what I could and you know when you love something so much like your bookshop and your community do what you can so just supporting them. They got to know my face. I got to know more of their faces. And then when I had the girl in the sunflower dress, I just thought, you know what? I'll just ask them. Like yeah. the worst they can say is no. And then I'm in no different position than what I'm already in. So I um, I emailed them and I said, hey, would you be interested? Is this something that you even do? And Susie there sort of said, yeah, sure. Like pop it on down. We'll take a look at it and we'll see where we go from there. And I was like, oh, great. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I went down there and I dropped my book in and, you know, feeling on top of the world. And I thought, you know what, this is great. They're just going to look at it. How amazing is this? And then she got back to me. She's like, all right, we'll stock it. We'll start with five copies. And I was like, oh, what? <laughs> this is amazing. Cause you know, when I'm, when I'm supporting them online, I'm not expecting anything back. That's not what it's about at all for me. Um, people that know me well know that I'm the biggest cheerleader. I will cheer you on no matter what you're doing. And I don't expect that back in return. It's just just the person, just who I am. And so when they looked at it and they ordered these five copies, I thought, great, if I can just sell five copies, how amazing is this? You know, mum's health started to improve, which was really great as well. So she got to see it, not only have a copy of it, but she got to see it on the bookshelf. And I thought, yeah, I made the right decision. You know, we went away. So it kind of got released April 2021. And so we had come out of lockdown a little bit. So we quickly flew up to Sydney to see family who we hadn't seen in ages. And within a couple of days, Farrell's had sold all five copies. And I was like, wow, my goal was just to try and sell at least one of those. I thought I'd have really, you know, a lot of work to do to try and sell the five. And I thought, well, that's great. So then they ordered more copies and then they sold out really quickly. And I thought, oh, who's buying these copies? What's going on? <laughs> but it was it was just really lovely because I did and I was obsessively kind of tracking it and people would tell me, hey, I went down and brought your book. And then all of a sudden, you know, Farrell's kept getting, asking for more and more books. And I was actually in class with one of my students and she's like, oh, I saw your book and I saw that it's a bestseller at Farrell's. I'm like, what do you mean? Just, <laughs> the website. They, they have this thing up about bestsellers. And I'm like, what are you talking about? So I went and had a look and the girl in the sunflower dress was on their YA top 10 bestsellers and it was there for like four months against some really big, big name books. And so I was quite chuffed with that and I was really proud of myself. And, you know, I've, I've forgotten how many copies now that we ended up doing, but it was just such a reaffirming, just a really great experience to have. And and not only 
for myself as, you know, as an author, but also the people going into my local bookshop and buying my book and supporting my local bookshop as well. well so that's it. what you set out to do by supporting them, you have yeah. done through your writing, which is just fabulous, you know, like yeah. giving back to each other. That's great. Has that, is, if you found the same with the whole Holly Jolly Christmas, did you have like a launch there and same things happening? I haven't had a launch. One day, one day I would love to have a launch at Farrell's. That would be amazing. I actually went to Sally Hepworth's launch or talk of her new book, The Soulmate There. And I sat there and I loved listening to her and I thought, oh, one day I would love this to be me. Yeah. <laughs> have a big sellout event. That'd be great. <laughs> but no, with the Holy Jolly Christmas, because it's a novella, novellas, you know, they're, they're a bit tricky to sell. And I didn't think... I actually wasn't going to ask Farrell's if they wanted to stock it. And then everyone kept asking me, they're like, where can we get it from? Can we get it from Farrell's? So I was like, oh, I'll just ask them. The worst, again, the worst I could say is no. So I messaged Susie and I'm like, look, don't feel pressured. Don't feel like you have to say yes. I know I know, novellas are really hard to sell, but would you be interested in stocking this one? And she was like, oh, I've closed commissions for the year, but bring it down. I'll have a look. And then she was like, yep, okay, we'll stock it. And so they, again, they start off with um, five copies down there and they've only had them for a couple of days. So I haven't heard how they've, they've gone yet. I haven't even been in, had a chance <laughs> to go in and see it on the shelf yet. So that's my task for this afternoon is to go down and have a look. So, you know, it's just, it's about making those genuine connections and just asking the question and putting yourself out there. You know, yeah. like I said, the worst they can say is no. And then, okay, well, that's fine. No so pressure. That's absolutely totally fine. Yep. And I'm in no worse position than I already am. There's yeah. there's you know, online and things like that. And, and other bookshops can order you books in, mm-hmm. even if you're an indie published author. But it's really nice to see it on on the bookshelf. That is really something super special. Oh, I bet. I absolutely bet. And we'll, we'll look out for that post on social media when you go down there. <laughs> yeah. So you know I'll... it's coming. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Holy Jolly Christmas, you said you you read lots of white Christmas winter books. Did you, are these the sort of books that you like reading? Is there, I don't know what the word is, I guess, uh, a trope to write a sort of Christmas themed rom, rom-com? But is it more just, there's some good times, but there's lots of fails in it. And then you, generally there's a love story or, you know, what, what do readers expect if they pick up these types of books, you know, Christmas themed rom-coms? Mm, I definitely think they expect a happily ever after. Nobody wants a sad story at Christmas time. <laughs> no one wants a sad rom-com anyway, do they? Everyone wants a happily ever after type thing. Yeah, I guess just that, that happily ever after. And I think the lead up to Christmas can be just as fun and special to read as the Christmas day itself. It's almost like the Christmas day itself kind of gets a bit lost in a lot of that because it's always the lead up to it. And it's kind of like the romance, isn't it? It's the lead up to the romance and Christmas does have a, a romantic element to it. We romanticize it. So it's that lead up, up to the Christmas. So I think readers definitely expect that. And I think they expect, you know, a white Christmas. So I think if anyone else is thinking of writing books, don't be afraid to kind of smash that idea of mm-hmm. having it set in a white Christmas kind of setting. Like I think as long as you've got that happily ever after aspect, I feel like it's, you know, all bets off. Do, do what you can. Yeah, and I think uh, you've got quite a lot to play with as well, I think, with summer Christmases and it, all I keep thinking of is burning, burning, you know, pe- people's faces burning from the sun and sun cream and awkwardness. And yeah, it would be quite fun to sort of add it. And gonna say, did, you, did you put in lots of your own like experiences <laughs> I, mean, it's I did because um my husband was he's like I'm not going to read it until it's in the book form you know I want to I want to read it once it's all finished and I was like that's fine so he read it and he as he was reading it he was laughing at certain parts because he goes 
that's you. You've just put yourself in there. That's, you know, da, da, da. And even his, um, he was telling me last night that his boss has started reading it too. And there's an, there's a section in there where Holly is complaining about the air conditioning. She only has evaporative cooling. And down here in Melbourne, we get a lot of humid heat. So in the humid heat, your evaporative cooling does not work. And essentially it makes the house sticky and we have floorboards. So your floorboards get all slimy and, and it's horrible. And so I actually put that in the book as part of something that went wrong for her and that she was complaining about. And my husband's boss had said to him, because he'd been complaining about it to him. Oh. So kind of had a bit of a chuckle about that so you, you always so, sort of put little aspects of yourself in there and I think that's kind of what makes it so relatable like even I talk about in the book the um the fire trucks coming around Christmas Eve and even the day before we often have fire trucks coming around to our communities with Santa on board and they throw lollies out to the kids and everyone lines up in the street and if it's a really hot day sometimes they you know get the hose out and they wet you and it's a lot of fun so I sort of put that in there too so a lot of those sorts of experiences yeah I think make it relatable make yeah. it fun. yeah um, yeah <laughs> oh, yeah, that's gorgeous. So tips there, write what you know from personal experience. Like you said, it does provide personal connection and others can connect with you too on that, which I think is really gorgeous. Do you have any other tips for authors looking to write a Christmas rom-com for the first, well, Christmas-themed rom-com for the first time? Because, uh, well, yeah, I suppose, I, you know, Christmas-themed rom-com, it, it's probably, it's got to be set at Christmas, isn't it? Or we could have Christmas in July. <laughs> oh yeah, you could do a Christmas in July one, couldn't you? That could be yeah. your sequel. <laughs> A holly jolly Christmas in July. Yeah, oh, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I think take on your experience of what you've experienced yourself at Christmas time or things that you've watched or heard of and put those sorts of things in. But I think try and keep the the drama or the big dramatic moments, I guess, to a minimum. In rom-coms, you really only want that kind of one big climactic dramatic kind of moment. It can have drama, but I think in a rom-com it's kind of got to be a little bit funny drama, like things going wrong or that miscommunication kind of trope thing there. But generally I think when people sit down to read a Christmas story or a Christmas rom-com, they want laughs they want happiness they want to just kind of escape into a bit of a hallmarky type you know thing and just feel good at the end of reading a story because at the holidays season everybody wants to feel good you're celebrating sort of the end of the year and so that's what they want from their from their reads well at least that's what I want for my Christmas reads when I'm reading them so I think definitely that happily ever after Definitely don't discount the the lead up to Christmas and that tension in the lead up to Christmas because that is just as exciting. And I think some people even find Christmas Day can be a bit of a letdown because it's all the excitement in leading up to Christmas Day. We get to go shopping and things come out and there's the Santa photos and there's all these wonderful things happening. And then Christmas Day happens. And it's like all that excitement is over and we have like a month yeah. or two months build up yeah. to it. So yeah, I think definitely think about that space when you're writing about it, that kind of lead up to, to the actual day. Yeah, no, that's a good point there because it is it is such a lead up and a build up, isn't it? And that's that. And then on Christmas Day, it like whizzes by because you've got to go to a million different people's houses sometimes, and then you sit oh. down stressed and exhausted. And it's like, what the hell was that? Like, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point. And I and I love like although it sounds like you know you've you've read a lot, you've put a lot of research in, you really are sort of turning in on yourself to think, well, you know, what would I like in here? What would be nice? What you what I what do I want to see happen and stuff? And yeah. Big focus on the romance. So Christmas themed is just the, the setting almost and events that happen, but really to push two people together. Yeah, I think so. I think that's sort of, you know, holiday time, Christmas time is all about that coming together of people that you love being around people that mean something to you so no matter where you are whether it's a white Christmas or a stinking hot sweltering Australian summer (laughs) there is some element of romance to it and yeah getting people together and having that emphasis on that that romance and that I that romance and that idea of it all coming together at that time I think is really special yeah yeah no that's absolutely amazing and so is all the tips you've shared with us today Katie it's been absolutely (laughs) fantastic so I just just finally do you have any tips for people looking to be a hybrid author you know you you you've had the choice i suppose and you've made a conscious decision so. yeah i think i think it's all about doing your research isn't it so it's all about finding out what path suits you at this moment in time in your writing career and I loved you had Sarah Epstein on a little while ago and she spoke about it being you know this career is a marathon not a sprint so it's all about and I really liked that so for me it's all about well, what suits you in the now and knowing that the the doors are not shut if you choose one path the door to the other path is not shut you can always go between the two. So I think it's about doing your research, taking those opportunities. Like if you can afford to go to conferences and put yourself in front of editors and publishing houses, take that opportunity, take on board what they're saying, do some of these great courses that are out there. Um, We have heaps that are run uh, by like the Writers' Centre in Victoria here. And thanks to COVID, I guess, a lot of things have become online. So it makes it so much easier to get to because I know I always found it really tricky to get to those things. So things are online it makes it so much easier. So I think taking those sorts of opportunities um, is really important. And I think putting yourself into the two different communities and kind of championing championing other authors, you know, cheer everybody on. With There's so much space on the shelves for all of us. I really believe that. And I believe in cheering each other on. We all work so hard in writing these books. So we need to be lifting each other up, you know, um, good, oh, what's the word I'm looking for, like author citizen and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> help each other out, cheer each other on. If you're finding things are taking too long, then take take it into your own hands and see what you can do about that. See what avenues can you take? Can you take a course about indie publishing? Can you take a course about writing, marketing? Can you, you know, take on writing opportunities? Is there some sort of avenue to write articles for places and do a bit of freelance work? So I think it's always just trying, always learning and taking up opportunities and creating your own opportunities too. Like put yourself out there. You can only ask the question and people are either going to say yes or no. So you know, you haven't got a whole lot to lose. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, that's beautiful and really amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. And also, please share with us, where can our listeners find you on and offline, everywhere? Obviously, Farrell's Bookstore. (laughs) (laughs) Other other places as well? (laughs) Yeah, so I'm most active on my Instagram account, which is uh, at author underscore Katie Montanaro. I have tried TikTok. Oh, my goodness. I am not good for TikTok. I don't. (laughs) 
don't know what I'm doing over there, but I do have that. I've toyed with the idea of a newsletter, so I'm definitely going to be starting up a newsletter. There's the website, so katiemontanaro.com.au. But book-wise, you can find my books anywhere, so like Amazon, Apple, Kobo, all of those places. Your local bookshops can order the books in as well if you go in and say, hey, can you order me this book? Your local libraries can order the books in, so I'm everywhere, man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, thank you so much, Katie. That was amazing. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun. So there you have it, folks, the utterly honest and super stunning Katie Montanaro to brighten up our Christmas with our fabulous tips for rom-com Christmas writers and with her novella, A Holly Jolly Christmas. It's a great stocking filler, so go out and get your copy as you've just heard how. Next time on the Hybrid Author Podcast, we have author-entrepreneur extraordinaire Orna Ross, who is an Irish novelist and poet, as well as a podcaster and advocate for the Alliance of Independent Authors. And she's going to be talking to us on annual planning for creatives. I wish you well in your author venture this next week. That's it for me. Bye for now. That's the end for now, authors. I hope you're further forward in your author adventure after listening. And I hope you'll listen next time. Remember to head on over to the Hybrid Author website at www.hybridauthor.com.au to get your free author pass. It's bye for now.